This is episode number 125 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. On this episode, we're going to continue the two-part series that I started last week on communication silos. So last week, I talked about how these communication silos are actually created and some of the challenges that can occur. And I kind of talked about the, these silos are present even in really, really small companies. So the, the thing that I mentioned last week was that even if I'm an entrepreneur and I just hire one single person, before I hire that person, I'm having, I'm doing everything. I, I I know everything that's going on in my company because I'm the only one working in it. And so when I hire an administrative assistant or a salesperson or a marketing person, something like that, bookkeeper, now all of a sudden I don't know everything. The person that I've hired knows some stuff and now I know some stuff. And unless we're communicating very effectively, miscommunication can occur. He or she may know something that I don't know and, and vice versa. And then as a company grows bigger and bigger and bigger, and you get into these big, huge multinational companies, the communication silos can actually be quite detrimental. And the very last thing that I talked about last week was about how during the pandemic, these silos were exacerbated. You know, meaning that even if we're just a small company, the example I used last week was a small company of 20 people, and maybe we've got four different departments. Maybe we've got sales and admin and service and marketing. So there's four silos that we've kind of created. And um, prior to the pandemic, we would have miscommunication between those four silos, probably at least a little bit. But then once the pandemic hit, everybody went remote, and now we had 20 people that were all working from their home computers. At that time, we went from, in a matter of probably a day or a week, uh, we went from having four silos to now having 20 silos, because now every single person is separated from every other person in the company. So the analogy that I used at the end of the program last week was about the ride at Six Flags that I went on when I was a, a teenager. Um, it was the antique car ride. And so basically the way that this worked was that uh, there were these antique cars, you know, cars from like the 1920s, maybe 1930s that were put on a track, like a steel track. And they were so easy to operate that even kids could do it. You know, you'd have a seven or eight year old kid that that could steer and operate the the car and because it was on a track. It was relatively um danger free, I guess, you know. Um, but the thing is, though, is that a person who's been driving for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, when they get on that ride, it's not really that exciting, because we're used to driving 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour on the freeway, and to go back to riding five miles an hour on a on a track, eh. Not that interesting. And so those folks are probably pretty bored with the ride. A little kid, though, that's never driven at all, nine or 10 or 11-year-old kid, they get on that ride. It's fun. It's exciting because they've never been able to drive at all. And now they can drive a real car, right? And so that's kind of what has happened during the pandemic is that we've got a, a lot of people that during the entire shutdown process and the remote learning pro remote process anyway that we went through during the pandemic 
they were like, oh my God, can we just get back to normal? And then there was another group of people that were brand new. They were fresh out of college, fresh out of school, starting new jobs. And to them, the antique cars, what they saw were normal. That was the way they were trained. They never knew any different. And then you had another group of people, a third group of people that has created the, the in, more interesting type of silo where they, uh, they, they, had experience the old way, but then kind of got used to the new way. They're like, Hey, why, why should I have to take a shower every day? <laughs> why should I have to, why can't I just do my work in my PJs? And they kind of got used to it. So basically you've got three different categories of, of team members that as you kind of have them come back to the office and everybody's coming back full time, you're going to start to see the way that they interact with each other be quite a bit different than what you were used to pre-pandemic. And those those are actually three new silos. Now, so whether you're dealing with those three silos or just kind of normal silos within your company, the tips that I'm going to give you this week can be very, very helpful to you. So these are some of the things that I would encourage you to do if you want to break these silos, get your team back to a cohesive group. This is a a really quick three-step process. The very first thing that you have to do is trying to rebuild the trust within your team. And that that means the trust that they have within each other and also the trust that they have with you as the leader. The second thing that you need to do is to get your team to see the value of being a part of that team. Get them to see the value that that team is providing for them. And then finally, the last thing that you want to do is make your office a really fun place that team members really want to come to. So This process has a specific order, by the way. If you just add a pool table to your office, but the trust level is still really low, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. Nobody's going to use the stupid pool table, right? Work to develop the trust first, then create the collaborative environment. And only then do you want to focus on the fun part. And by the way, it's going to be a whole lot more fun for for you and the people on your team if you kind of do it that way. Um, I, I give you a really good example of this. I got hired to do a team building activity in Silicon Valley years ago, probably about, eh, maybe 10 years or so ago. And the company was full of really um, analytical engineering types. So when I walked in the door to the, the building, the building was uncomfortably quiet. <laughs> it was, there were very few phone calls being, there was, it just wasn't busy. There was no buzz going on in the entire, in the entire office building. No one was interacting with each other, with their coworkers. The entire group was kind of like in their own little cocoon during their individual jobs inside their offices. And the manager that hired me walked me to a meeting area. And inside that meeting area, I was kind of surprised because it had a foosball table. It had a dartboard. It had it even had like an eight-foot basketball goal, not one that was like regulation, but it was, you know, one where even short people could, like myself, could could um, slam dunk and that kind of thing. Every single one of those those um, apparatuses had cobwebs on them. Nobody had played pool, or, or nobody had played foosball. Nobody had had shot baskets. Nobody had played darts. I mean, you could tell that it, they were things that were there, but nobody ever used them. Uh, apparently. At least my guess would be that somebody in that company had probably read an article about how fun it is to work at Google or how fun it is to work at Southwest Airlines or one of those other, you know, high level companies where fun is really a part of the the culture. And that person probably wanted to create a fun collaborative environment 
but they failed miserably at it. So they started with step three and totally ignored steps number one and two. And so I want to make sure that you don't make that mistake yourself. So let's kind of go through the step-by-step process and kind of show you how this, this really works. So the first thing that you want to do again is you want to rebuild the trust of your team, both with each other and with the trust that they have with you. One of the things that I always like to tell people is that your folks will support a world that they help create. And during the pandemic, many leaders, myself included, by the way, fell into the trap of trying to solve every single problem ourselves. It was almost like since we were in that silo, we didn't really have our confidants to rely on like we were kind of used to when we were coming into the office every day. Um, And it could be, you know, because we were understaffed or maybe we just felt the weight of all of those changes on our shoulders. I mean, that's the way I felt. I felt like, um, you know, when, when my company was really struggling, I felt like I was letting everybody down. This was my fault and I had to do something to fix it, not realizing that my team members were were there to support me and, and there to help me if I, if I just kind of reached out to them. Um, but whatever the cause, trying to solve the world's problems all on your own is a really bad habit. It's a really bad habit to kind of fall into. It's also a version of another silo. So basically I I had created that silo for myself and and, uh, maybe some of you kind of relate to that a little bit. So my suggestion is to spend some time individually with each of your team members. As you're back in the office, um, spend some time with each one of them. Ask each one of them what they would do if they were in your shoes. Hey, we're, we're having a few challenges, a few miscommunications. Any ideas on what you could, what you think we should do to fix it? Ask them, and you ask them for ideas to help build better teamwork, to help build better collaboration. Not only are you going to build a trust level with each one of those people as you interact with them, but you may also get a lot of really good ideas in the process. Um, I give you a good example of how we help companies do this. We offer a, um, a half day workshop called Creating a Team Culture. And one of the first things that we do in that workshop is get the entire group to just partner up with one other person. That's it. Just one single person in the room. And, and we just have them practice giving ideas to each other. And at the same time, really listen to the other person's ideas. You'd be amazed at the breakthrough ideas that get shared within each group in the first 10 or 15 minutes of, 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 of a workshop like that. You can create the same type of thing around your office at a break or at a staff meeting or or any other time that you guys are all getting together and sharing ideas. Um, so this doesn't have to be, you know, just a single time thing that you do in a workshop. If you make it a habit, it'll it will work very effectively for you. So once that trust level is now higher, the second thing that you need to do is have your team see the value of being a part of that team. You've got to provide them a reason why it's better to be a part of the team than to try to do all this stuff on their own. Uh, The most common complaint that I think I hear from self-employed consultants, folks that that kind of call me up and, and maybe they're looking for a job or looking for a position within the company, is they'll say something like, I really miss being a part of the team. Maybe they were working for a big company and decided to go out on their own. And now that they've been on their own for a year or two or three, it 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 gets a little challenging when you're the only person. You're the you have to come up with all the ideas and that kind of thing. 
Now, with all that being said, of course, during the early parts of the pandemic, before it got, you know, before when we thought it was just going to be a two week thing, yeah, it was sure it was great to not have to take a shower every day or <laughs> get dressed until noon. But over time, that seclusion got really unbearable um, as the as the um, trust level grows over time, though. What you want to do is make sure to praise the accomplishment of your uh, accomplishments of your team members. So that's one of the first things that you can do to to make being a part of the team more effective than being on their own. You can share success stories with the group. Like, for instance, in our company, when when uh, we work with a client and everything just clicks and things just go really well, which happens quite often, by the way, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll write up a case study. We'll We'll, uh, and by the way, if you want to kind of see some of these case studies, I'll put a link to it in the show notes just so you can kind of see what we're doing. Uh, and then at team meetings, one of the things that we'll do is we'll share these case studies with the entire group. So if if we didn't do that, then that single consultant that had that success would know that the success, that the success occurred, but nobody else in the company would know about it unless we share that with, with the group. And when people start to hear those success stories over and over and over again, they feel better about the group that they're that they belong to. They they want to be a part of a successful team. So when consultants who created the success for the client, when they get accolades from the entire team that way, so if we're sharing that in a in a meeting and people in the group are saying, "Oh man, um, Joe, you did fantastic. Becky, you did phenomenal." That kind of thing, then the entire group now gets to see solid results from that great work that we that we do. So if you think back to the antique car analogy, the, the antique car new hire might be resistant to coming back to the office. He or she was hired during the pandemic. And we say, hey, we're all coming back into the office. They're like, hmm, I don't think I want to go into the office because maybe that person has been very successful over the past year or two. Maybe that person was able to adapt to that change more quickly because they didn't have the habits that everybody else had. So maybe that person has has excelled. So coming into the office is now a risk. However, the moment that she gets praise from a dozen coworkers for uh, for doing a great job, then her entire attitude is going to change. The risk changes to now to opportunity. Um, but this attitude shift it's not going to happen by accident. It, it's going to take really good leadership to get that person to break that communication silo. So do whatever it takes to be able to build that real team environment and create that atmosphere uh, uh, at your office to get people to really want to be a part of it. And then once you do those first two things, once the trust level is higher, and then secondly, once you get the the um, people wanting to come to the office, now let's start working on the fun stuff. So make your office a really fun place that team members really want to come to. For instance, um, you could do something really, really as simple as, I know this is going to sound corny, but starting every meeting with a dad joke, right? Uh, if you want to just go to Google, type in best dad jokes, you'll get 147 funny dad jokes that are also corny or something like that, right? Um, the, when you do stuff like this though, it, it kind of sets people at ease. So if you make it a habit of starting every meeting with something kind of fun or funny, 
it makes it more interesting. It's different from what everybody else is doing. Now, I'll give you a couple of dad jokes because I am a dad and I am very okay at, at telling dad jokes. Um, you guys can determine that in, in a couple of seconds, I guess. But um, these are some things that these are ones that they're not offensive. They are a little corny, but they're almost guaranteed to make the group kind of laugh a little bit. So uh, for instance, a, a good jo dad joke might be, uh, you know, I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes, but it turned out it was the refrigerator all along. I know some of you chuckled, some of you didn't. They're like, I don't get it. Right? Okay, well, that's okay, because humor's not right for everybody, right? Uh, another one might be, uh, what did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> so uh, another one might be, uh, you know, I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. Okay, they're corny. But they make people laugh. If your office laughs with each other, especially right at the beginning of a meeting, they're going to support each other. Another idea is to surprise your team with, with lunch. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I went to the local street taco restaurant. It's only a few blocks away from the office. And uh, and I just got tacos for the entire group. And it cost me maybe 30 bucks. You know, it was fairly inexpensive. What was different about this time, though, was that typically people kind of take their lunch breaks at different time periods. And at, when I kind of brought the breakfast taco, or sorry, the, the street tacos in, everybody kind of stopped what they were doing. They made their way to the conference room. Everybody, everybody was there. I didn't have to call a meeting. I just got to put them on the desk. And as soon as the word gets around pretty quickly when there's free food in the office, right? Uh, and the reason why they kind of stopped what they were doing and rushed back to go to the conference room is because they didn't want all of the good tacos to be gone. They wanted to get their choice of, of the best ones. And we got the better part of an hour's worth of really fun team building. And we got a full belly to boot. Uh, on another occasion, we had our local Friday team meeting at the local bar. Also a couple of blocks away from the office. We kind of all had adult beverages at lunchtime and we discussed the sales numbers. It was, it was different and it was kind of unexpected. Um, these items or these incidents, they seem like very little activities, but but um, every single one of them has the potential now to break down those communication silos. When people are laughing at the start of the meeting, they're now more willing to communicate during that meeting. And when someone might have stayed in her office at lunchtime, now spends a little bit more time interacting with her teammates, it's building that rapport amongst team members and that kind of thing. In, in a more relaxed team meeting, you know, maybe you add some, I'm not saying that you have to add alcoholic beverages, but it was more relaxed because we weren't in our office. It was more relaxed because everybody was kind of being themselves and joking around and that kind of thing. It, it's now less risky in that situation for, uh, for somebody to share his or her ideas. So what I would encourage you to do is after you have that trust level built up, and then also after you've kind of made... The, the team or gotten the team to, to really see the value of being a part of that team every at least once a month, um, if, if not once a week, look for something kind of different or fun that you can do to kind of get your team to open up and, and have a little bit more fun with each other. Make it unique. Make it different. Don't just do the same thing. Hey, we got pizza every Friday or something like that. You got to make it different so that it's unexpected and, and your team members will want to kind of participate. Um, with all that being said, formal team building activities can really reinforce your what I call the silo destruction. 
Um, for instance, years ago when we created the build a bike team activity, the goal was to reduce uh, these these silos. It's a it's a fun metaphor for what happens when communication silos are created. For instance, in the activity, the one of the first things that we do is divide the big group into smaller teams. Basically, we're creating artificial silos in in the room, in the meeting room. And we tell them right up front that the activity is not a competition. And when we say that, they, nobody believes us. They all kind of laugh. And we say, you just you don't know us, right? Once the silos are created, though, we reinforce the silo by giving a single team a head start on the team activity. This is where people kind of get confused. I thought you said it wasn't a competition. They, Of course, we are doing that as a way to artificially strengthen the silo we make them think at that moment that they're competing with the other the other teams and that single addition to the the cri that that instruction solidifies those silos pretty dramatically uh, but as the activity kind of goes on the the teams or the silos are going to be required to interact with each other in order to get their bike parts they they have to break the silos and when they do, the activity gets incredibly easy. So the problem solving that originally was taking them maybe 15 or 20 minutes to kind of solve, once they get out of their silo, that that those challenges can be completed in seconds. It doesn't take very long at all. And so fun team activities like this can be added to any meeting. And they are incredibly effective at physically showing your team that when they work together, they can accomplish more. So take the ideas that I've kind of shared with you. See if you can break down those, those silos. If you have trouble or have challenges, make sure and contact us at leadersinstitute.com. We'll be happy to, to provide some support or help if you need it. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.